Joining us today is Domenico Azzarello, our EMEA Regional Managing Partner based out of the Paris office. Today we'll talk with Domenico about his journey and his work building our telecom practice, his role as Europe, Middle East, and Africa's Regional Managing Partner, and some great wins that they've had during his time there, and some of his work in pro bono and social entrepreneurship. Domenico, happy to have you here today. Hey Keith, thank you for having me. So, Domenico, we always start by giving people a little bit of background on the folks that we have on the podcast, and we'll do the same with you. Where did you grow up, and, and did you know that you always wanted to have a career in business when you were headed to university? I grew up in Italy. I grew up in Milan, although from a German mother and a Sicilian father. So I think I was predestined to international <laughs> international life. My father was in business, also in consulting. So, yes, I was very often confronted with the world of business. And I got excited about it more and more. Actually, when I was still studying, I was at Bocconi University. I started a little entrepreneurial adventure with a, with a couple of friends. And we were personalizing T-shirts and selling them to businesses and sailing crews, actually. So I got this passion for developing and, and launching businesses. And during my studies, it, it stayed. So, yeah, I think there was something there already. Something there. Now, you didn't ultimately go in the entrepreneurial direction when you finished university, right? You went into the, to industry. What, what was the plan and what were you trying to get out of that experience? I was attracted by the corporate world mainly because of this desire to discover the world and to be able to be exposed to businesses in different in different areas, in different geographies. And so initially I started in the textile industry with an Italian company that sent me for part of the work in France. That's when I fell in love with, uh, with France, although I didn't speak a word of French. And then from there, as I was finishing up in Italy, you do a graduation thesis at the end of your, of your program. And I did that working at Northwestern University, doing some research there. And one professor put me in contact with a partner at the time that was at AT Kearney and that was interested in my background. I was doing a search in supply chain. And so that's how the connection with consulting started. So, yeah, I think I went from, from studying into corporate, into experimenting internationally, and then a little bit by accident into consulting. So the, the interesting part for me when we were catching up before this was that you were actually going to join the other firm the same year that I would have joined coming out of school. That was my other consulting offer here in Chicago. So we were destined to cross paths. When you moved here, was that your first time back in the States? It sounds like Northwestern might have been your first trip and then you moved back full time. I mean, that was a, that was a two, three months. I was basically there, there doing research. So yes, when I joined a consulting firm in Chicago was really the first time I was living in the U.S. It was actually probably one of the first non, or let's say, European really joining the Chicago office. And it was very interesting. You know, my English was still very, it was definitely still in the improving. I had learned it at school and it was, uh, it was a whole discovery living in a new city, being you know, one of the few foreigners working in, in Chicago. It was very, very exciting. Now, I'm a huge fan of my city, even though I grew up on the East Coast, but uh, I'm sitting here in Chicago right now. You ultimately didn't stay in Chicago with them, though, right? You moved back to Europe? I did. After two years, I loved Chicago, actually. It was beautiful, and the work was super interesting. I worked in so many different industries. I did a lot of supply chain manufacturing. I worked on the optimization of the supply chain of a major newspaper with the idea that internet would threaten the freshness of the news. And so we wanted to reduce the lead time. But so 
my time in Chicago was was really fun. But after two years, I must admit, my Italian chromosome could not stand the temperatures. And I had to move to higher temperatures. So I did everything I could to be moved to Paris, as I fell in love with Paris before. And I tried really hard. And so I managed to. Did you speak enough French at that point to move over there? How did how did they decide to move you or that moving you was okay? Oh, that's actually a pretty funny story, actually. I was, no, I didn't speak a word of French. I was just, for no rational reason, completely in love with, with Paris. I wanted to live there. So I was working this global consulting firm. And so I was calling every other week or reaching out by email to the head of the Paris office. But I couldn't really get through. I mean, there were no transfer program at the time, and particularly in that company. And so once the the assistant to the managing partner reached out to me and we became friends and she said, hey, the head of the Paris office is going to be in New York for these two days for recruiting. So I haven't told you anything, but he arrives at this time in this hotel. And so I took a flight from Chicago to New York. I went at the Sofitel in New York and stood there until... A person, I had the picture and I knew he would have a French accent and I approached him at the reception and I say, hey, I sent you about 25 emails wanting to work in France. So will you take me? And he said, okay, come over. Well, you will learn French once you are in Paris. So oh that's God. how it went. That is probably a crazy story that we're not encouraging people to do, but it seems to have worked out. At the time, yeah. We're not much more structured today at Bain on uh, managing international <laughs> transfer. So you don't need to do that. So you go over to Paris and you start working in telecom, or is that something that you had started to do when you were in Chicago? <laughs> No, I really started there. As I came back to Europe, it was 97. It was the time when GSM and mobile telephony was really exploding. And with a few other persons, we, we got really excited about it. It was an incredible time where helping companies launch new businesses in new geographies. I launched uh, the first operators in Egypt. So we, we went down with a few consultants and started really from scratch, building an operator that a uh, year after was probably a few hundred millions and a few thousand people. And, and so started developing my expertise like that. And that is also what then led me to Bain. It was pretty much at that time when I, when I joined Bain. As I was getting deeper and deeper in telco, Bain reached out to me as a, as a way to build the telecom practice. So I got in telco and I got in telco the, a little bit by accident at the beginning. And then realized that there was so much going on and started doing more and more in that space. Yeah, I don't think people realize that, you know, I did a bunch of telecom internships in school as an electrical engineer, but that was, you're talking about the time in history when GSM and I think CDMA was the other technology and they were competing, but that was sort of the switch from analog cellular telephony to digital, which was just opening up cellular phones to everyone. Like not everybody even had a cell phone back then. It was amazing. I mean, it was incredible times where everything was possible. It was just, right. we knew this would become as big as, as we know today. Nobody would imagine living without a mobile today, but at that time it was really starting. But what was exciting was trying to structure infrastructure. You know, you had to deploy a, a telecom network from scratch in new geographies. And it was super complicated. You know, where you deploy antennas, how do you deploy a net? So there was a technical part that was extremely complex and extremely exciting. And there was a marketing part that was 
mind-blowing. How do you understand the elasticity of prices of, uh, of something that was completely new technology? So it was, it was very interesting. Now, you had mentioned that you got in touch with Bain during that time, and I think Olivier, who is still around, reached out or connected with you. How did you make the decision to, to jump to Bain if things were going well and you were in a hot part of the market at the time? Things were going very well. We, we really created what was probably the first practice at the company of telecom practice. And Olivier reached out, and in the exchange, I got really excited about Bain, about the values, about this notion of thinking full potential, thinking how to really support clients to achieve their full potential. I had a set of exchanges with Olivier, who was the managing partner at the time, and a number of other partners. And so with also a few other colleagues, we got really excited about the platform that, that Bain could give us to really accelerate our own learning, but also the ability to create impact at our clients. A much broader set of capabilities, a much deeper strategic view to the business. So I think it was from that exchange that I got excited. And I think some of the traits that I recognized through those multiple interviews I did really make me uncover what are the reasons why today I'm still so excited 20 years after to be at me. And so that was how the switch happened. Once you became a partner, though, you didn't stay in Paris. I know as a, as a senior person sort of leading the building of a new practice and telecom practice, no less, which was very global at the time, given all the technology changes, you did move to the Bay Area. Yeah, I did. I did, actually. So the practice uh, flourished in France, but also regionally at the European level. And I had this amazing opportunity. It was the time, at that time, we were 2009, and the telecom operators were faced with the opposite problem. Now, before it was all about how do you create a client base? And these were the years when uh, the issue of loyalty and churn and how do I retain clients became really the fundamental driver of business. And I really, I probably developed quite an expertise in that space on how do you reduce churn or reduce attrition of, of client bases. And so I was called out from some of our American colleagues for a client in the U.S. that was faced with that issue. And uh, I helped selling the, the proposal, framing the issue. And then uh, I remember the CEO of the time in the U.S., as I helped the team pitch and, and sell the project, that CEO says, that's very good. I want to work with you. It's, I know it's going to be a couple of years journey. But that little guy with an Italian accent, can we have him here? <laughs> and so... I remember I went back, my wife was pregnant of our third child. She was uh, seven months pregnant. And I say there was, there's this opportunity. We could move to San Francisco. I know she liked the idea, but I was like, well, anyway, she said in two minutes, she said, okay, let's move. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, and basically, I commuted for probably a couple of months, the time that uh, the baby was born. And then we moved to, to San Francisco. It was exciting. You also took on a, a bigger leadership role at the firm, moving back to Paris after a couple of years. Was that something that you always had in mind? I, I imagine you weren't planning on staying in San Francisco forever, but coming back and taking on sort of the managing director office head role for Paris was a pretty neat opportunity. Yeah, it was. So those two years in San Francisco were extremely exciting. And then uh, I had a little bit of a moral commitment with my French partners at the time that at some point I would come back and contribute and keep uh, building our also French business. And, and yes, when I came back, we had an 
in this notion we have at Bain of servant leadership. And so we had a rotation of our managing partner in France and uh, the French partner asked me to take on the role of a managing partner for France. So it was very exciting and very exciting because it was a moment of accelerated growth. We wanted to, to achieve, uh, consolidate our position in the market, uh, reinforce the team spirit, the team dynamic, the excitement of the teams. And, and I really engaged fully into that uh, role that, as we do at Bain, was in parallel of my client work. So it was about 50% of my time. But I learned a lot. It gave me the possibility to run a business while keeping serving my clients. So that was very, very exciting. Domenico, that was actually around the time I took my recruiting role. And uh, Paris was one of my first trips overseas to meet the team. And I remember sitting down and talking with you going, man, the Paris office is really lucky. He brings a lot of energy to the role. And it was very clear that they had chosen a good leader for the office just based on everything that you were thinking about as the office head, despite everything going on. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the next leadership role that you took. At Bain, we're very big on servant leadership. And so a lot of our most senior people take on roles helping run part of the business of Bain. And after a couple of years leading our business in Paris, you took on a role leading our EMEA region. How did that role come about and how did you decide to continue your servant leadership up to the firm? Yeah, that came at, at the end of my tenure as a, what we call office head in, in France. We had just appointed a new managing partner, our managing partner, Manny Maceda, and he wanted to, let's say, deploy an accelerated strategy of, of growth and, uh, and capability building for EMEA. And so in accordance to our governance, he performed a round of interviews of our leadership team in the region. And my name came up. And so he approached me to know if I wanted to take another managerial role and basically managing one of the three regions of the firm. And what really drew me and convinced me and excited me was not only it's a very exciting managerial role, if you want, but also the plan and the ambition we had set. Mm -hmm. This was a bit over three years ago now. And we had just crystallized, if you want, just finalized with Manny and the leadership team, this, this strategy of out-team to out-innovate in order to, to outgrow the, the market. And that really resonated with me, the idea of fostering this unique culture you have at Bain and make this work as a region, really pulling the synergies across markets and across practices, reinforcing the role of practices and capabilities across markets. So this out-teaming component resonated, this out-innovating, this idea of disrupting the way we do our business, injecting digital capabilities, injecting sustainability into everything we do, which is, a, if you want, a a reconfiguration of the way we, we do business. And this idea of really accelerating our momentum. And so that was the plan that attracted me. And Manny was, is uh, he's an incredibly exciting leader to work with. So I definitely accepted this ask of, of the partnership and started this journey that has been probably the most exciting in, in my life. I discovered that changing a large consulting firm as Bain 
is probably harder than any consulting job for any clients I did. <laughs> Convincing a number of highly opinionated partner and leaders in the business of a new direction is extremely challenging, but it was also very, very, very fun. And it is being very fun doing it. Now, you've had a couple of wins along the way, and I, I do agree as well in my own servant leader role. Bain is probably one of the toughest clients I've ever had. Very passionate, very opinionated, also very smart and very committed to the, to the mission and to their clients. But what have been some of the successes that you're, you've been proud of along the way? Yeah, there is definitely a number. Probably the one that is, uh, that is closer to my heart, and it was the, probably the toughest challenge I took on in terms of change, was this ambition of really accelerating our momentum in everything DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, starting from gender diversity. And so we set a, a very ambitious target of wanting to increase very rapidly our percentage of women in the, in the leadership team. And we did a lot of work in that space from, you know, making sure that we recruited in the most unbiased way and attracting the best talent uh, with the most diverse talent. We worked a lot with the leadership team, making sure that we changed all our hardware, if you want, the way we evaluate talent, the way we promote, the way we celebrate the talent within Spain. So, and that led to increasing by five points the percentage of uh, women in, in the leadership. We, we now achieve 25% of uh, the leadership, which is still a long way to go. I definitely, I don't, I don't call it a success yet, but it has definitely moved the, the needle. And that, uh, that is one that I'm very excited about. On the business side, Bain aspired to create business relationships that are really anchored into this notion of full potential. And in order to do that, we need to maintain focus on probably a smaller number of accounts, but really going deep in setting an ambition of where this client, this company can get to. And secondly, define a plan and deploy a plan together with that client to achieve that full potential. The ambition we set was to increase the number of what we call priority client relationships. So those scale relationships over time that leads to success stories that redefine the industries. And over these three years, we doubled the number of this uh, scale relationship, scale success stories, those that really everybody look up to in every industry to say, this is what one high-performing company can do. And so, and that was a result of building these new capabilities and new expertise, and also organizing our career path in a way that allowed to each one of us as Bainese over time to go deeper and build stronger expertise, being that in an industry, being that in a specific area like strategy or organization or performance improvement. And so... I think these last three years have allowed us to go much deeper in terms of expertise building. We have shifted to a role of practices that is, as I was saying at the beginning, much more prominent at a regional basis. And that has allowed us to accelerate the business. The business has grown twice as fast as it was in the previous year. Last year, we grew 35% in the region, which is incredible. So fastest growing business and a much stronger portfolio of clients. And that is, is definitely a, a big accomplishment. Yeah. And the business momentum in EMEA has been 
truly outstanding. One of the things that happened in the last couple of years is we had the pandemic as well. So you stepped into a leadership role, got a lot of momentum going, and then had to deal with the crisis there. What are you proud of most about the way we've handled and navigated the last couple of years as a firm? It has been a very intense, exciting, surprising, probably also emotionally intense moment of my tenure for sure. First of all, astonishment. I think when, the, as you may remember, the COVID really broke up in Italy, in the region first, and we were all observing. Nobody was really sure that it could become what, what it did. But what I was incredibly proud of was two things there in managing the, the crisis. Number one was the level of solidarity and support that people displayed at Bain in supporting each other, going through, particularly at the beginning, the replotting, resetting people's life working remotely, there's been so much support, so much real, everybody adapted, adjusted, and and helped into making this happen. The second thing that I, I was incredibly surprised was the speed at which we shifted all the business from physical, from being at clients and working with them, to virtual. In a month, we shifted 95% of our projects so almost basically all our business from physical to virtual. If somebody told me before, I would have never believed that, that that was possible. And then in the following two years, we ran everything, every program, every project at every client completely virtually. And the level of creativity invention, the new tools that were deployed, the way of doing workshops remotely and the way of really leveraging even better than we could do before expertise, bringing experts from all over the world into client situation. So the level of innovation was to me mind-blowing. And so I'm extremely proud of the fact that we measure at Bain, as you know well, uh, Keith, employee NPS. And so would you recommend to a friend to work at Bain? And that indicator, employee NPS, increased dramatically during the pandemics because people I would believe, felt that we were really taking care of them and there was a real sense of uh, mutual support and the impact we created our clients, helping them steer through the crisis was incredibly rewarding for all our teams. We literally helped clients steer through the crisis and adjust to this new world. So the teams were, and the spirit remained intact, if not uh, probably increased and fostered and the impact we created at our clients Helping them steer through the crisis was was one that made me really incredibly proud. There were two things that I just wanted to touch on that you mentioned briefly. Uh, One is ESG and the other is diversity. From a regional managing partner perspective, what are your priorities as it relates to ESG and and doing that inside Bain, doing that with all of our clients? And then the other one around diversity, in particular gender diversity, we've had some other big wins in terms of leadership in the region as well. And maybe you could talk about those two things before we wrap on this part of the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me start with uh, with ESG. That not only is all it's a topic that has always been very close to my heart, but one that is really at the core of our DNA as a firm. We exist on this notion of impact, creating impact. This is what really drives Bainese, is the ability to help 
clients, organization, get to the full potential and really create results that redefine industries. Now, this notion of, of impact, or we can call it value, has really evolved over time. And when we look today of what challenges our clients, our countries, our planet is faced with, it's clear that as Bain, we have a unique ability to help our clients tackle these challenges. And so number one to me, what was very important is that very early on, we adjusted, or if you want, we translated our mission, not only in one that consists of making companies more economically performing, but also into companies that are better to their people, right to societies, and with a positive impact on the environment. So if you start from that as a definition of your mission, so your mission is to make companies more performing, but also right to their people, right to society, and right to the, to the environment, then your work becomes even more exciting. Your purpose becomes even more exciting. And so that's what we started doing three years ago, was building capabilities that would allow us help our clients steer and tackle these massive challenges they're faced with. And I must say, I'm very proud because our region, EMEA, was probably the first one to engage into this movement because we saw the, the challenge coming in and probably companies on in Europe were the first one that were really faced also by regulations and by governments with playing their role and playing a critical role into this. So we built a set of capabilities. We hired a number of experts, uh, partners that brought us the deep expertise in carbon and uh, circular economy and equal governance and rights. And so we injected these capabilities, but the whole notion was that it was not a separate division. And we, a bit like we did in digital, we never thought that you could have an ESG practice working on a side of our business. We wanted this to become the way we do business. And this is what happened in this last three years. And so basically, we changed our approaches to strategy, to operation, to supply chain, to make sure we embed the notion of carbon footprint, the notion of uh, a circularity. And so we made sure that we reinvented our way of doing business to really start, or let's say, to have ESG inside. Now, when you look, almost half of our jobs today have a component of ESG into that. There's no way you can do even procurement in reducing cost of goods sold without having that lens of where am I buying these goods from? What is the source? Are these suppliers that are ESG compliant? And what's the carbon footprint impact on my scope three emissions by doing a choice or the other? And so every element of our consulting approach is now different. So I think this is, I mean, of course, we are still in the journey. We we built a number of partnerships. We did a partnership with Ecovadis, that is a player that really is really good at assessing the level of sophistication of a company in everything related to carbon footprint and, uh, and the footprint of the supply chain. We did, for example, in, uh, in ESG for private equity, we work with a number of funds in private equity to assess the footprint of uh, their portfolio companies and in defining approaches to reduce uh, carbon footprint. So it has now become extremely pervasive. The, the last element I'm very proud in this space is that we decided at the beginning of this year that we would train everybody at Bain with the best 
schools with the best academic institutions out there to certify all of our consultants and all our BNEs on ESG. And for example, in France, we did a partnership with ESG, with um, HEC. In Italy, we did a partnership with Bocconi, and we're now deploying all across the region. And every consultant will have to certify on a knowledge, a deep knowledge of the ESG topic. And that will ensure that in everything we do, we bring this to, to our clients. And also in the ESG, specifically the S, you mentioned the percentage of women in leadership in the region, but you also have some very visible female leaders in the region as well, also taking on servant leadership roles in the last several years too, right? Right, absolutely. And I was talking before about the progress in, um, in diversity as a, as a big diversity, equity, and inclusion in, in, our, in our objectives. Yes, we have two of our key managing partners of our geographies are, are women, Ada, that leads our France operations now, Veronique, that leads our Netherlands office. We have more and more women taking leadership role also. Uh, Veronique was previously running our performance improvement practice for the region. And the fact of having now in some geographies, like in France, in Amsterdam, in London, we have almost 40% of the partnership that is composed of women. And that is accelerating the momentum because it creates more and more traction, opportunity, and ability for women to thrive in the business. So I think that we're making progress there. And now my desire, my ambition is to accelerate in the same way the, the momentum on other dimensions of diversity, being that racial diversity in terms of social backgrounds, in terms of sexual orientation. And that EMEA is a very, if you want, a diverse region in terms of also of uh, legal constraints you have in different uh, offices. There are things you can do, things you can measure in one office, you cannot measure in another office. But overall, there is a real full commitment of the partnership to, to go in that direction. And that is extremely exciting. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your interests as well for people. You do a lot of work in the social impact space and the social entrepreneurship space. Can you talk a little bit about how you're doing that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I may, I may start saying that I wish I could do much more. <laughs> it's one of those dimensions where... I think the type of skills you develop at Bain in a career, you realize over time how much impact they can have in communities and in, in helping any cause that you can support. As a firm, as you know, we're very committed. We made a big uh, social impact commitment, committing a billion of our revenues. So my, my first drive, if you want, was making sure in our offices we took that commitment seriously and one of the things, for example, I drove that when it was France office head was to institutionalize what is called the Bain Office Social Impact Day. And so having the whole firm suspend work for our clients for one day and work with a set of non-for-profit organization on specific causes that we embraced. And it's amazing when you see in France what 300 Bainese engage with 10 organizations for one day, the type of impact they can have. And so I think my first pride was to have created this motion that now is continuing. It's been seven years, every year, the Social right. Impact Day continues. On my personal standpoint, I'm very passionate about anything around social entrepreneurship. And I had the incredible chance of starting working with an organization that, if you want, crosses my passion for diversity and inclusion 
with the notion of entrepreneurial social entrepreneurship. And it's an organization in France, it's called uh, Force Femme, that basically supports women that had a challenging life or career path to launch businesses and be social entrepreneurs or be simply entrepreneurs. And so when I can, and unfortunately not enough, but I try to spend my time allocating my time to supporting some of these women in succeeding with their own businesses. And uh, and it's uh, extremely, extremely rewarding on, uh, on one side, but inspiring on the others, because you see some incredible women that went through a lot and that have this good ideas and that can really drive it into very successful businesses. So incredibly, incredibly exciting. That's really awesome. And we do a similar, we call it in Chicago, Community Impact Day. And I I admit, I was one of the cynics on the amount of impact that we could have in one day. And it was always very high and it was always great to spend a day with the team. It was almost like an extended job fair with different nonprofits in the city. And I know myself and a lot of other Bain people have stayed involved with those organizations over time. That's the biggest benefit is indeed the ability to engage for one day, but then be exposed to a theme, topic, and engage over time. And so I know, for example, this is going to be at some point my, my second uh, my second phase in life where, <laughs> where yeah. I will be able to engage much more of my time into this notion specifically of uh, social entrepreneurship. Yeah, it was, it was really neat. And I'm glad that we do it. And I'm glad we get people outside the bubble a little bit and into the real world to understand some of the challenges that people are really facing on the ground. Domenico, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great getting to know you over my several years in my recruiting role, but I don't think I've heard the whole journey like I did today. So thanks for coming on and taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Well, thank you, Keith. Really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure exchanging with you. After all these years, I always have the same pleasure with our exchanges. So thank you, Keith. Awesome. Awesome.